0: How did you go about discovering your style in leadership and, and making an impact with your
1: own style? Similar to that point I said just before about how I set up feedback, it hasn't been something that's really come to me naturally, like a one-on-one coffee really getting into the nitty-gritty about how someone's performing. That is, a, that's as tough as a human conversation you can have to a point, especially in a working environment where I'll pick out a, a random example. Let's go past players so no one gets offended. Let's say Nathan Jones. Like his heart and soul is to perform on the football field and I'm going to give him some feedback about how I don't think he's doing that the right way. Like that's a tough conversation for both people. But to have that relationship building, certainly that's one thing. But I felt like that was always a strength of mine, is being able to get that relationship before those conversations.
0: Is it a matter of, you mentioned that you're learning every day, is it a matter of the more experiences you have by putting yourself out there, getting out of your comfort zone and having those conversations, the better leader you become?
1: Yeah, I've got... I've got a, a really in-depth journal that I have at home, which I, I constantly write in with things that have happened that day, that week. And my old, like, I, get, I get a little bit of anx- anxiety built up about how I deliver stuff some, sometimes. So I record that and go through why would I have had that, anx- that anxiety build, built up? Was it the right environment? Like all sorts of things. In, in the end, my... My sort of motto as a captain is to create the safest environment possible for people to flourish as themselves. So every day if I come home and go, I did that again, or I didn't do that again, and I work on what didn't I do. What does leadership mean to you? What does leadership mean to me? I mean, I'll answer this in two different ways. One, as a leader, and two, as aspiring to be people that are leaders in my life. I think personally, like my motto of creating a safe environment, like it's a leader in I'm trying to be a non ego that is literally putting pillars up to be able to create the safest environment possible. Both and that I'm, not, I'm talking footy, but I'm also I feel like I've got a bit of leadership in my own family, and that's the same thing in my in my house as well. The safest environment for my son, who's now 14 months, to be able to live the best life as George George That's something, and then I get that from my parents. My 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 dad's certainly the leader in my life. Psychological safety.
0: Where did you start to really value that? As to something that you feel that is so important as a leader to to make sure that your environment has that psychological safety—is it something because you've experienced being as a player that you know where you don't feel safe in, in the football club environment, or is it just something you've seen that seems to correlate well with performance or, or how players you know
1: enjoy the process? Certainly, I, 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 comfortability—it can be bad. Comfortable in in this in this workplace in this industry, but being comfortable in your own skin, that's certainly something that I reckon performance is just, it goes like that. Like Christian Petraka, it's hard enough playing AFL. Imagine trying to play AFL if Christian Petraka is trying to be Travis Bowe, Like he's trying to be someone else. Christian Petraka's is the best player of football of Christian Petraka is when he's being Christian Petraka. So to be comfortable in your own skin.
0: How do, you, how do you go about empowering them to sort of find their own way through their own journey through making mistakes and rather than just sort of copy who they think they should be like, how do you sort of empower them to, because I imagine that can be challenging at a young age for them to, everyone's got their own journey, but how do you sort of, do you influence, do you try and accelerate that or is it more just everyone's just going to work it out at their own? Uh,
1: I mean, you'd like a natural workout. You'd like them to be able to, yeah, naturally become the person they want to be. Sometimes you do need to show some little fast track around, especially the value. So the one thing that you strip it all back, leadership can be so messy and you try and do this, that, this, that, just strip it back. We've got four values. I try, and inst- I try and install those values. I try and behave those values personally. And we just talk those values. We, we nut out what those values mean. Like, four words on a wall. Like, that's, that could mean anything to anyone. So what does it mean to Melbourne? And then what does it mean to that young player as well? And trying to find a happy balance between the two.
0: Welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Every week, I host live chats via YouTube channel with leaders in the AFL and high-performance industries. Join me live every Sunday at 6pm where I debrief the recent chats and announce the upcoming guests. We drop an inspiring and educational episode every Monday. If you like the show, please follow us on your favorite podcast app. Hello, and welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean, I'm your host, and today my guest is Max Gorn, the captain of the Melbourne Football Club, and our key topic for today's chat will be all around leadership, resilience, and the Melbourne Football Club. For those new to the show, our mission here at Prepare Like a Pro is to empower aspiring athletes and staff with practical knowledge from some of the industry's most inspiring individuals and to strengthen the AFL community. If you like the show, please show your support by finding us on Instagram and subscribing to the podcast or on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube. Thanks for jumping on, Max.
1: What an opening speech. That's a, that, that, that is a monologue. That, that was great. You
0: can tell I've done that a few times.
1: Yes, I'm excited. <laughs> all, we, all we do is talk about this podcast at the Football Club, and you have finally found some time to get me on.
0: Don't know about that, Mater. I reckon our 10-second conversation about the podcast is probably the longest stint it's, it's had in the Melbourne Walls, but I'll claim <laughs> it. I'll claim yeah. it. Yeah, pleasure to have you on, mate, and and really excited. The topic that you chose, leadership, I think it's pretty applicable to anyone in life, whether you want to take it to business, your sporting, or for those staff that want to work in high-performance sport, but can you give us a bit of a, a background on when you started focusing on leadership yourself, and, and how did your journey sort of leading up to the captain of the Melbourne Football Club? Uh, so, premiership captain, I
1: should premiership say. Premiership captain, yes. Quite a unique journey, to be honest, Jack. I certainly didn't reek of leadership when I first rocked up to the football club, although I was always, throughout junior sport, I was a captain at school, I was in leadership roles. So I was always seen as someone that had that potential, but I made way too many mistakes to have my own backyard clean to even think about trying to get someone else's clean. So that was something that I had to get used to. but the main, the main sort of thing that I've learned to be able to get from where I was when I started leadership, like leading. So I was in the leadership group when I was twenty-four. So what's that? That's seven years now. So I've been three years captain, four years before that. I was just leadership group, and I remember early on, I was always told, "You got to lead like this person, or you got to lead like this person." And it happens in the AFL a lot because you, you you aspire to be some of these great leaders. I'm not going to be Joel Selwood. I never will be. Joel Selwood leads his way. I lead my way, and that's. Trying to figure that out was the hardest thing about leadership. I, for example, if I'm giving you feedback, let's say you've you put together one of the worst weights programs e- ever, and I sit down to you to to give you some feedback, I was told to be s- as serious as you can. Don't put a joke in. I was sitting there going, "That's that's not me." So Jack, for one, will walk away going, "Geez, Max was a bit weird then." And for two, I wouldn't feel comfortable in the way I was able to get my message across because I'm being a dip person. That's not me. So. Again, it takes a lot of confidence to be able to be yourself in in, in in some environments, especially a footy environment. But yeah, that's one of the key learnings I've had, not to lead like Jack Viney. Jack Viney is an incredible leader and does it so differently to me. The two of us combined is quite a unique sort of setup, but yeah, continue to be me.
0: And you mentioned that, yeah, early on, you're recognized as a leader, but it took a while for you to sort of feel like you really took it upon yourself to, to find your way of leadership, which would be good to dive into for those that potentially following the same suit where they're asked to be school captain or captain their footy club but they haven't found their sort of voice or leadership style yet that would be good to to dive into how you just sort of discovered it and and had confidence with it but what did you think people saw in you now in reflection like why why were these opportunities keep popping
1: up yeah i I, one of the things i did struggle with is i always got told people were going to follow you no matter what because you have that sort of personality and that's one that i would sort of struggled to comprehend what that actually meant. And there's I remember when I first rocked up to Melbourne, the people that I followed because they could work a room, like they were my leaders as well. So I remember Brad Brad Green, anything that Brad Green said, I took as gospel. Even if he didn't mean to say it. So they're little things I had to work out. Like literally every word I'm saying, a young 18 year old walking through the door is going to take it as gospel. Um, Brad Green wore cargo pants one day to training, like the worst cargo pants I've ever seen. With like sandals as well. The next day, I went and bought cargo pants from Kmart. Like I literally followed every step I could. Like these guys are my idols, I was, and and that's something that I've had to learn to be able to. And like how I started making your own backyard clean. That's an old saying. Like, I don't really like it, but that's what I had to do. I had to make sure that am I ticking off the four things in our trademark? We have got four words in our trademark, and if I'm ticking those four off. I can be whoever I want post that, but make sure I tick those four things off. And I think that's where you've got to start with every leadership. Where Whatever the values are, or let's say it is high school, the values of your school, everyone's got, every school's got values, your junior football club, your senior football club, work, every place has values. If you can tick them off, that's the first start to leadership.
0: And if you been in a position or when you're in a leadership group where the captain potentially was was ticking off three of the the values, but maybe not one, and they had to work on that? a fair bit or is it usually to get the point of captain you've been living those values for some time?
1: Yeah, good question. I, I've certainly had some captains. I had two of them that were picked when they were 20. Incredible humans at 20, but they were 20. They they certainly hadn't ticked. They may have ticked the four things off for four weeks, but it's a bit of a journey to be able to do that. So you can watch captains grow and I'm growing all the time. I. I still have holes. I still slip up. I still have moments when I face adversity and I might shrink rather than grow. So I'm still learning all that stuff. And that's why I have a great team around me. I've got my wife. I've got some close friends and family. I've got great leaders of the football club that I bounce ideas off. So to have that support network, that's where you can grow. That's where I can bounce ideas. So yeah, I don't think I'll ever Tick the four things off 24 7 every day, but as much as I'm getting closer to it, that's a, and that's also a human side. You can show a human side to it as well. And you mentioned how important it is to
0: practice what you preach and what the club is all about, the values and and the trademark. If that's phase one, and then the next phase is finding your way, how did you go about discovering your style in leadership and, and making an impact with your own style?
1: Yeah, that's similar to that point I said just before about how I set up feedback. Feedback hasn't been something that's really come to me naturally, like a one-on-one coffee really getting into the nitty gritty about how someone's performing. That is, a, that's as tough as a human conversation you can have to a point, especially in a working environment where I'll pick a, a random example. Let's go past pass by so no one gets offended. Let's say Nathan Jones, Like his heart and soul is to p- perform on the football field And I'm going to give him some feedback about how I don't think he's doing that the right way. Like, that's a tough conversation for both people. So to have that relationship building, is certainly that's one thing. But I felt like that was always a strength of mine, is being able to get that relationship before those conversations. And then I had to learn how to do those conversations. And Jack Viney, I've said this twice now, but Jack Viney will be in that conversation very different to what I will. If we both get Nathan Jones playing what we wanted, who cares how we go about it? Like I could do it over a beer at Serrano Pub, or I could do it over a coffee at the local cafe, or I could do it in the change rooms. So like, who cares about the environment? Just as long as both of you are comfortable and you get into the overall point, which is what the feedback was. So that's one thing I've had to I've I've, I've had to grasp with just doing it my way, making sure it's authentic, and that's why I'm voted in as a captain because people want the version of Max Gorn now to be captain.
0: How you explain that Nanette? straight away, I think for the listeners would we'll, we'll explain how much nuance there is in leadership, like you said, in a one-on-one setting, obviously everyone's different. So how you get to that end result, like you mentioned, that's the, that's the goal, but how you get there is going to vary depending on your style and, and the person who's in front of you. Is it a matter of, you mentioned that you're learning every day, is it a matter of the more experiences you have by putting yourself out there, getting out your comfort zone and having those conversations, the better leader you become?
1: Yeah, I've got I've got a, a really in-depth journal that I have at home, which I I constantly write in with things that have happened that day, that week, and my old, like I get I get a little bit of anx- anxiety built up about how I deliver stuff some, sometimes, and so I record that and 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 go through why would I have had that anx- that anxiety built built up? Was it the right environment? Like all sorts of things. In, in the end, my My sort of motto as a captain is to create the safest environment possible for people to flourish as themselves. So every day, if I come home and go, I did that again, or I didn't do that again, and I work on what didn't I do, which I'm I'm hoping we get to this at some point. I might as well answer this question now. But one thing that we did change in 2021, going into that 2021 season, was the way we spoke to each, each other from a professional point of view. Football clubs are... An amazing place. There's lots of fun, lots of banter. I, I hate that word banter. I will use it because it's the best way to describe it. But we were we were A plus at that. We thought we were best friends. It was great. And then one day, Aaron Vandenberg in a meeting spoke up. Uh, well, this is leadership in itself, what Aaron Vandenberg did. And he said, I don't like the way we speak to each other from a professional point of view. The example I'll give is Jake, Jake, Jake Lever. Let's say he takes 10 intercept marks on the MCG. Like he has played the best game a halfback can play. He's 10 out of 10. He's right up here. Doc. The ceiling is, he's gone through the ceiling. Before he even gets to the change rooms, we will say something like, ah, oh, but he didn't even play on anyone. Something like that. Something like small, yeah. which he does because he does play on someone. But, and bang, we just brought him down to seven for no reason before media, before friends, before family even get to him, his teammates have brought him down a tiny bit. It's mm. just this weird little thing. And it's not just football. 30 year old males in particular, let's say the age gap of 20 to 40 millennials, an endearing to show that I like you, I I feel like I have to bring you down. Like it's a it's a weird little thing in especially Australian males. So that crept into our workplace a lot. So it's one thing that we tried to work on being a little bit more positive, making sure, especially with something someone cares about. So I care about rough work. So I would take offense if you said, oh, you're being hindered to no one. You stop stop hinder to a Carlton jumper and hinder to a Melbourne jumper. Like as a banter, I'd be like a bit cut by that. But if you had wanted to go on my hat, like I don't care about my hats. So like that's okay. So that's where you got to learn relationship-wise what people really care about. So yeah, it's a, I, I really like that point. That was something that Aaron Vandenberg said a couple of years ago. And it hit me because I'm, I do it. And it took me that night, I realized I sat there and said, "Why did Aaron Vanderberg's comment mean so much?" And I sat there going because i because I do it, and I feel like I'm a leader who's got to show the value, show the right way of doing it, and I'm bringing people down for no reason. so yeah, I'm not sure if that's anywhere got sort of leadership. It's certainly in the market of we all can do better in that space in any in, in any industry.
0: And what was the response like? Was it a trigger for some significant personnel at the time or was everyone sort of taking on the chin? And then a few days later.
1: Yeah, like it was a trigger for me. And I'm presuming more, like we had lots of different cases in that next week of it coming out. And like someone would pull someone up saying, Oh, no, we don't want to do that anymore. So, like, there's a little bit of eggshells, to be honest, to start, like, which is not what you want a football club to be. So we found that nice neutral ground where we can have a bit of fun. But then also when it comes to professional, especially football. We speak very highly of each other's role. But yeah, there was, there was, there was one case. So I, I love running to a point that running is almost, I feel like my top thing when it comes to footy. Like I love running. If I'm in the off season, I'm more worried about my running performance and my kicking performance. Like I'm big on running. And I came back in, in, in 2021 and I was missing my time trials. And I, like I, that cut me so bit deep because running was something that I really built up to be like the bee's knees in footy. But I put on a brave face and I got into the change rooms and people knew that I was like maybe putting on a brave face. And I remember one of the players goes, geez, are you still running? Like something like that. Like it was just a little backhander that normally everyone would laugh at. And I was, I like laughed at it. Then later that night, it cut me deep. And I'm like, that's, that's one of those moments again. And the funny thing is, is that player realized he said it. And the next day he came and apologized. So to have that Going on and seeing it happen live like that really made me go, "Wow, this really, this really does affect people." So there's yeah, someone calls
0: the group out, and then I guess the leaders recognise that that was pretty impactful and and took it upon yourselves to to live it, and then and then you've got played the whole squad actually having awareness and changing behaviour. You mentioned how it pivoted one where they're almost in a direction where the fun had sort of been zapped out for a period of time. Do you feel like that's where some clubs go? They just go down that spectrum where now it's just not a fun environment and that's, that's probably not going to be conducive
1: to long-term performance? That's where this point is, is quite difficult. The eggshells early on was worrying for me. I'm like, oh, no, we've gone way too far mm. with this. But you just find the nice balance. Are you Again, I go to the motto, if you've created the safest environment possible that 45 players can flourish, something like that just doesn't affect them. They go, okay, yep, I've changed my vocabulary a little bit around. Max is pull, pulling me up because he wants us all to get better. And then an hour later, because I don't care about my fashion, I might take the piss out of my own fashion or something like that. So then they go, okay, maybe Max, that's what that's something we can have a bit of fun with. It's a unique topic, this one, because I feel like I'm nowhere near an expert in it. But I, I, every single male my age or in and around my age has to work on this space, hundred percent. And it's not
0: just getting used to the the drills now as a new player coming in, but you have got to get used to the the standards from a cultural point of view as well to be able to work what's what's good banter and what's, what's correct. Uh,
1: yeah, but if if a new player hopefully has walked in and they think like you are what you you are what your your culture is really. So if, if Jeff o, Jefferson comes in. He will know no different. Cause the leaders do it, the older players do it, and he'll just walk in and it'll be like it won't even be a thing. That's just how we do it. Which goes with every standard, like goes with running standards, weight standards, and the way we play our footy. If it's a deep, tough, like well written out, so it's been going on for years, it's a culture that just can't be broken. People will just walk in and they'll be a Melbourne player straight away. I love that. That's some
0: great Gems for, for those listening in that yeah want to have that high performance culture like you mentioned. But going back to your career for a second before we get into further about leadership and resilience, but highlights of your career, mate, things that spring in front of mind that you're proud of.
1: Yeah, I've had a I've had a good I've had a fun career. I'm going into my 14th pre season, which is which is a lot. The first six or seven I didn't really do much, so I feel like I'm only really going into my seven for eight, I, and I'm still sort of enjoying them. Like I said, I love running. I love running. I love training in the sun and I love being around my teammates. So pre-seasons are literally the best time for all of that. So yeah, 14 years in, I've had had obviously a rocky start early on. My story's quite well pub, 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 publicized, especially some of the mishaps that I was able to get up to in my first two or three years. But some of the highlights, like obviously what we're able to do in 2021 was pretty incredible. Especially, like I've, I've had teammates that have left and gone won flags. I've had teammates that have won flags as soon as they've got drafted to a club, like Goody won a flag at 18 and 19 at Adelaide. I feel like the way I've, the way Melbourne's won a premiership, and especially for players like myself and Tommy Mack, who have been there for 13 years, to go through a lot of stuff at the Melbourne Football Club, like a lot, like 13 years of coaches, boards, everyone just getting flipped over, wooden spoons, draft picks not going well, a tanking saga, to get through that, to win a flag with that same club is pretty is pretty incredible, and to be able to—I remember—I got interviewed straight after that game by Abby Holmes, and the first thing I thought of was some of these past greats that built this football club that were no longer with us. Like it's just there's something about Melbourne that made that story so cool. To be able to do a 57-year drought, 13 years for me, yeah, that's the highlight. There's no, there's not many other things that can even go in the same answer. To be like I it was, I'm able to get some really good individual goals and, acc- and accolades throughout my career so far, but. Nothing even compares to what happened in that last day of September. You throw
0: it outside of Melbourne too with a pandemic. Got a nice. Yeah, like oh. that.
1: I built the premiership up in my own eyes, like watching, I was a football fan. So watching Sydney West Coast in 2006 and stuff like that. You watch like 100,000 at a G, two o'clock Saturday, last day of September, normally sunny. Like that's the, that's the game I pictured. And then I rock out grand final day. And it's dark. I'm in Perth. It's not at the G, and there's no friends and family in the crowd. Like it's just a completely different game. The moment when the siren went, I think was still the same. Like that yeah. first half an hour was bliss. Massive build up towards
0: it all. That's awesome, mate. And on the flip side, challenges that you faced and how have you learnt/slash grown from? Facing those challenges,
1: yeah. So both individual and team challenges. Like we've had some incredible team challenges. No more than the twenty twenty hub. Like that's, I I'm going to put a disclaimer out to start this story. I understand that we were in a more privileged position in the hub. We were able to get out of Melbourne for three months and and be in a hotel next to a beach. Like that's that's pretty cool. The only issue is we had to perform. We still had to go out there and perform. So any sort of baggage that we were bringing from a mental side of things. So. I left my wife in Melbourne down in the peninsula. We just thought down the peninsula. She had no friends, no family, and was in a 5K zone in the peninsula, which was literally maybe one supermarket, and that was it. Again, mm. there's people worse off. So that, I had that sort of stress with me in the hub, and I was a first-year captain, and we were underperforming. Like we were, we were, obviously won the flag the following year, and we missed finals that year. So we were an underperforming side. That was tough. Like That, that really was. Seeing you coach every single day, at a buffet breakfast. It's 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 hard. Like could, could you imagine running into Selwyn every single day for literally three months? Like it's hard to always be on and talk about your career. So and then to balance that with the 40 other players who are all going through their stresses as well. That was that was a that was a tough that was a tough little period. But in saying that, I also really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it and felt like some of the stuff that Aaron Vandenberg brought up, that was sort of the hub made that glowingly obvious, so it sort of helped us in a way as well. And then some individual stuff, like I, I've, I've done my knee twilight. I've had eight in between the knee recos. I had eight knee operations as a 19 year old, so that was that was a lot. Giving up like my social life as an 18, 19 year old already because I'm at football. But then I was wasn't drinking because I was in rehab for two years, so I'd given up like this. 18 to 20 year old to try and get the best out of my career and I was just getting knee after knee and bad news after bad news and that was that was tough as well but yeah lucky enough touch wood I'm on a wooden chair so I am touching wood my knees have been good since well, yeah you mentioned
0: that potentially 2020 brought some good hard conversations that set up the 21 success which is obviously hard to measure but let's just say that if that you didn't happen maybe 21 didn't happen but, you know do you think that you do need to sort of hit rock bottom for, for the ultimate to hit your sort of
1: peak performance, either from individual or team perspective? I mean, I mean, there's plenty of stories where there's some serious goats in sports that never hit rock bottom. So I don't think you do, but 2019, certainly the year before the 2020 year, we had a really, really poor year. It was after a prelim in 2018, and we came and almost won the wooden spoon. I think we finished 17th after a prelim. Like That's, that's a bad... It wasn't rock bottom by a long way. We had a very good group, a very positive group, a young group, and we also we were very competitive in a lot of those games, so we 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 weren't rock bottom, but we we had to fix stuff quickly. Like we had to get going, and then 2020 was obviously I felt a little bit more disappointing just because we we underperformed. We under we we seriously had more to give in that year, and we missed finals by point one percent or something again for the second time in four years. But the learning through those years, yeah, definitely they set they set you up for 2021. My journal was full in those in those years. Genuinely full. So you've been generally for quite some time then. Yeah, I've I've had the diary out. Probably ever since I was in and around the leadership group early on, there was just so much wisdom. You're so privy to conversations when you're in a leadership group and you also, you get on this leadership goal where you go and listen to podcasts like this or you go, meet with other leaders in other areas to, to to get a few notes and whatnot. And I just realized there was way too much stuff I was missing out on without journaling. So I got journaling. And I'm not a massive reader of my journal, but it certainly it gets in my head more if I write it down. So that's why I love doing it. Yeah. Okay. So that's not something you reflect necessarily
0: on, but it's like a good brain dump that you can then memorize important Correct. things. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Well, let's let's dive in. We've already discussed a fair bit on leadership, but
1: what does leadership mean to you? What does leadership mean to me? I mean, I'll answer this in two different ways. One, as a leader and two, as aspiring to be people that are leaders in my life. I think personally, like my motto of creating a safe environment, like it's a leader in I'm trying to be a non-ego that is literally putting... Pillars up to be able to create the safest environment possible. Both, and that's I'm not, I'm talking footy, but I'm also I feel like I've got a bit of leadership in my own family, and that's the same thing in my in my house as well. The safest environment for my son, who's now 14 months, to be able to live the best life as George Gordon. That's something, um, and then I get from my parents. My 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 dad's certainly the leader in my life. It's funny when you our age, Jack, you sort of look back and go, "Why am I like that? Like, why do I tick like that?" And I I, I think I've I'm about to compliment myself, which is one thing again. Males struggle to do with, and you should do more. But I think one of my core values is hardworking, and I like to think I'm very hard, hard, hard working. And I sat there one day. I'm like, "Why do I do this stuff? Like this real crazy stuff, like this real hard working type things all the time? Like my wife doesn't necessarily do it like I do, or so my friends don't. I go, "Oh, it's my dad." It's my dad. Like he, I look back and I'm like, yeah, everything. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Like the, so the values he put into my life, I'm trying to do the same thing now with George. So he's my leader. And then, yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question. I think I'm more talking about my dad now, but certainly leadership in my eyes is in the values.
0: creating values, psychological safety, which has been mentioned a few times, which we could dive into, but then it seems like you really value from what you learned from
1: your dad by leading through actions. And how you yep. conduct yourself. Well, um, he, my, dad's, my dad's a classic 1960s boomer. Like he he leads by example. Like he he's a tough, he's a tough boy. I would love, I would love, and we have a couple of times. I want to do it more, but I'd love to get like a real deep chat with him and talk about our feelings a lot more than what we do. But yeah, he's he's a lead by example, dude.
0: And yeah, psychological safety, where did you start to really value that as to something that you feel that is so important as a leader to to make sure that your environment has that psychological safety. Is it something because you've experienced being as a player that you know where you don't feel safe in in the football club environment, or is it just something you've seen that seems to correlate well with performance or, or how players you know enjoy the, the I, process?
1: Certainly, and I, 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 comfortability it can be bad comfortable in in this in this workplace in this industry, but being comfortable in your own skin that's certainly something that. I reckon performance is just, it goes like that. Like Christian Petracker, it's hard enough playing AFL. Imagine trying to play AFL if Christian Petraka's is trying to be Travis Bo. He's trying to be someone else. Christian Petraka's the best player of football of Christian Petraka is when he's being Christian Petraka. So to be comfortable in your own skin. And I use him as an example because he potentially in his first year was maybe this guy who was trying to be what everyone wanted him to be. Until he worked out that he's the best version of him is is Christian Petraka, The guy is now a dead set freak, you you've you've seen him. So yeah, that's definitely you feel safer. The word you use was psychological safe psychologically safe.
0: Psychological certainly,
1: safety. Yeah, certainly comfortable in your own skin. It's probably the same word just used differently.
0: Seems to be thrown around a fair bit in all different industries as the as something that does, like you mentioned, correlates with performance and, and people just get the most out of themselves. So it does make a lot of sense. But in, in AFL, potentially doesn't get thrown around as often, but you can tell that it's something that you highly value and something that's front of mind, which is, which is awesome to see. So clearly it's something that you value and something that's important and ingrained in the Melbourne walls, which is good for the listeners to, to recognize. Yep. in in terms of getting the most out of young athletes that, that like you mentioned can potentially be taking every word that you say and and modeling what you dress and and how you go about your drills how do you how do you go about empowering them to sort of find their own way through their own journey through making mistakes and rather than just sort of copy who they think they should be like how do you sort of empower them to so I imagine that can be challenging at a young age yep. for them to everyone's got their own journey but how do you sort yep. of do you influence, do you try and accelerate that or is it more just everyone's just going to work
1: it out? I mean, you'd like a natural workout. You'd like them to be able to, yeah, naturally become the person they want to be. Sometimes you do need to show some little fast track around, especially the values. So the one thing that you strip it all back, leadership can be so messy and you try and do this, that, this, that, just strip it back. We've got four values. I try and I try and install those values. I try and behave those values personally. And we just talk those values. We. We nut out what those values mean. Like four words on a wall, like that's that could mean anything to anyone. So what does it mean to Melbourne? And then what does it mean to that young player as well and trying to find a happy balance between the two? You can be whoever you want. You can be the, the loudest Instagram influencer in the world that would annoy me if you were. But but if you tick off the four values, go be whoever you want. So that's the key thing. As soon as you walk through the door, and that's what I expect as well, if I was walking through the club, is okay what do I need to do here to fit in? And then, okay, oh, no, hey, cool. And then I can go do my, my thing as well.
0: And do you think in your experience, leadership is something that you, is largely inbuilt? Or do you think it is something mm. that everyone can be an AFL captain if they, if they want to be?
1: Good question. Everyone's a leader, whether you like it or not. Every, every single person's a leader at some point throughout the... We were at 45 players for eight, nine hours a day. I reckon within that nine hours, someone's leading at some different point at any different time. So every single person leads. There's definitely a learning curve to it. You actually have to put in a bit of time to learn a little bit about your teammates, your people, how people act. And you have to learn about yourself. I've One thing I've, I haven't really mentioned in this whole leadership thing is on-field performance, which is still my number one pillar, is I have to be making sure that I'm at peak, peak football, like at my peak ability Almost every time I walk out on the ground, and that's that's one thing that maybe didn't come naturally to me. I like to be—I used to be a bit calmer out on the field and go off the motions a tiny bit, but I've had to ramp up that intensity and run through a couple of brick walls like Joel Selwood would. So that little part as well—the on-field performance—is still higher than all this. But and and what about more common
0: misconceptions when it comes to to leadership? That maybe someone that hasn't had a significant leadership role where they're they're asked upon regularly to you know talk in front of the group and and like model the, the values. What are some common misconceptions or perhaps misconceptions that you had of an of an AFL captain before living it?
1: One is the perfection piece. Like I built my captains up to be perfect. But they're better off being vulnerable. They're better off not being perfect, which I hope I am now. I hope I show vulnerability. Because if you build build yourself up to be perfect, Jack, there's only one way down. So yeah, that's the common misconception is the perfection and even sometimes the way you anoint a captain is go oh, that guy's Mr. Perfect like and it just builds them up to a a pedestal they can't they can't sit on. So that's that that's that's the one. And that's the one I deal I try and battle with like the the Aaron Vandenberg point when I said oh Jesus I I'd, I'd do that. I had such emotions to that because I kind of wanted to be like that was in the 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 relationship space of leading, which I think is my strength and I failed in that. So I was like building myself up like to be perfect in relationships. Like I'm not perfectly perfect in relationships. I'd stuff up with my wife every day. Like there's there's no perfection in that. So that's one thing. And that's that gets written in my journal almost every day is the battle with perfection. Yeah, that's a good one. Thanks for sharing that insight, mate, and, and
0: being open and honest throughout the whole episode. What about leadership groups? You mentioned that's where you started, the age of 24 in a leadership group. How important it is it for the support of a captain to have a have a leadership group and, and also what does a typical week bike look like in terms of formalities? Like is it more something that's informal <laughs> with your communication with leadership group in terms of just daily conversations or is it or is there a fair amount of structure to it as well?
1: Yeah, leadership groups they've changed in my time we've got a quite a unique one we've got myself and jack the who who really jack viney we're really we're good together we're a good little pair and then we have a really really good group of five other leaders as well and so that that that's a healthy balance of about seven i've been in the group with 11 i've been in the group with literally just me jack and jack milkshams so it was three of us in 2020 so there's different but the the overall goal of a leisure group is you're able to get the, the nitty-gritties out in your meetings you're able to talk about the way i led so let's say I wanted to give Nathan Jones some advice. I would ask maybe Angus Brayshaw is in Leisure Group, who's got a great relationship with Nathan Jones. Oh, what do you reckon maybe the safest environment to do that is? And then it, so we bounce off ideas, goodies in there as well. And the main thing in our Leisure Group, so the very first thing, then it goes for, let's say Leisure Group goes for an hour, this bit goes for like 45 minutes, is we make sure we cover off ourselves both how we're going on the field and then also how we're going off 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 the field as well. Give feedback to each other in that space. But yeah, I think good leaders make sure that they're ticking off themselves as well. And you mentioned on-field performance and how that's
0: a key pillar and something that you put a lot of energy in and focus into as a captain to make sure that that's still at a, at a peak level. But I imagine, and it'd be good to talk about the dynamic between the coaches on game day performance and the, and the leadership group how that works and then what your responsibility is from the tactical side of the games. So obviously, you've got your area that you're focusing on, but how much have you sort of got that sort of landscape view where you're yeah. looking at the team? And then how does that feedback go with the coaches if the game plan, or the original game plan is not working? Yeah, how do you go about giving feedback to the coaches and how does that work with on-field performance?
1: Yeah, we're in a good little, me and Goody, uh, Goody and I have been captain-coach relationship now for our, going into our fourth year, though we've also been leisure group, coach relationship for seven years so we know each other very well and we've got to a point where our trust in each other is at an all-time high so we're going through some stuff at the moment where they're giving sort of the leaders a bit more of an in-depth in-depth explanation of the game plan something that maybe a young player wouldn't get so we know what's going on out in the field because i mean all sports are like this but footy definitely is so much can happen without you talking to the coach. Like you speak to him three times in a game, a quarter time, half time, a three quarter time, and if you're lucky, probably more unlucky, you get him on the phone if you do something bad out on the out on the ground. But so to be able to know a little bit about what he's get, going to do in this very moment, that 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 helps certainly on on on, on field performance. So there is a bit of trust there. I think we we would be at a point where I could change the game plan in the middle of the game if I thought something was going bad. Like I think we're at that point. I haven't yeah, done it, so we won't, but I think we're at that point.
0: And could that literally be you flip flip the magnets like that type of your responsibility upon yourself or you think like a key player needs to change?
1: Well technically it sort of happened in twenty twenty one. Goody likes to think that it was all him, but grand final day we I made the we made the call. I'll say we we made yeah. the call. Luke Jackson into the ruck for the last bit of that third quarter, and I sat forward. Talked about it before the game as well, but that's that's like something that can happen.
0: So you'll have awareness of different things going on through regular conversations with Goody, and yeah. then you'll know.
1: But he's the smartest person I've met in footy, so I'm backing in him as well.
0: And you mentioned that there's, there's the leadership group, coaches. What about... With the with the younger players from a education point of view, does the leadership group have a bit to do with that, or is that more to deal with support staff, more
1: informal learning? The the most important group on your list is the older players that sit just under the leadership group. So they're the people who mates with they've got a better grasp on the group. Sometimes they're the ones who out for beers with the group on a Friday night, or they're in the midst of playing both VFL and AFL. Like there's a there's a really good group of about 20 guys that sit just under us and and they have to drive the behaviors because if the leader leaders can be out on an island sometimes if you don't have the next best 15 players or 15 older players performing, sorry, living the values, like living as a Melbourne footballer. And that, where well, I've been there, where the leaders are on an, an island, there is the lack of trust between leadership group and vice versa. So they, that, that group, I'm glad you asked it, there's every single player, like I said, leads and all 45 have a role. Some have a title, but I dare say everyone's leading without a title. And what about when you're significantly
0: challenged? Like you mentioned kind on of a daily, you're writing down in your journal. So I imagine you've got, you've built up great awareness through that but and then you, the focus is making the change that you're working towards and you consult those around you to get to that but what if it's just not working something that you're trying and the whole you're consulting and you're journaling and, and things just aren't where really you're being significantly challenged which i imagine happens in your role what's you go to in that situation do you persist with the original plan do you try to go with your gut feeling do you like you mentioned podcasting and, and learning through you know, external like how do you go about there yeah, when you're challenged finding answers and finding different it's str- funny every time I have
1: a debate about how I'm going with a a topic. It can happen for a bit. I get all sorts of advice, but I end up trumping it with my gut. So normally your gut is right because your gut is what you would do in that scenario. So you can get yourself educated and hopefully that changes your gut subconsciously for the next time. But in the end, your gut's normally right. Well, your gut is right. Sorry, your gut's 100% right because it's you.
0: Yeah, 100%. Love that. That's good. Gives gives people confidence to you know, give, give yourself a shot. And, and ultimately, if you back yourself in, you're going to learn through that experience one way or another, aren't you? Correct. I'd much rather fail on my gut
1: than fail on your, on your, on your gut.
0: And what about adaptability with communication? You mentioned, hey, you've got to find your style. But if your style with a particular player doesn't work as effectively as, as with others... Is it imagine is it is a matter of delegating, so giving that one to, to another leader, or do you just sort
1: of adopt a different style when you're communicating with that player? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question as well. That's one of the unique things about having a leadership group is you do have that flexibility. But still, and this might not be the correct answer, but I feel like it's my answer, is I'd much rather be comfortable in my skin if I'm giving dicey feedback because then I feel like I'd be able to convey it the best way possible. I wouldn't want to sugar it, water it down in a way, not saying to water it down, you know what I'm trying to say, but I wouldn't want Mm. to misconstrue the overall subject because I'm worried about how I'm delivering it. But that is one thing along the way you have to learn. You have to learn these different things. So then it becomes natural. So then I'm not sitting there when I'm talking to Nathan Jones because he is on this level. He's a very smart man, speaks with big words like, I'm not nervous talking to him because I've learned about him along the way. So it's all learning. It's all yeah, building, diving into relationships, getting to know your teammates, learning about different ways to speak, and then it comes natural and then you're being yourself. Yeah,
0: I love it, mate. I think that's a great way to wrap up that segment on leadership, which is ultimately the big takeaways, I think, for me certainly, and I'm sure listeners as well would agree that, yeah, You've really empowered people to basically be yourself, lead your way, and learn through through doing and and reflecting on our work each day, every day, which is a pretty awesome message, mate. In your in your work life, do you have pet peeves? What fires you up? What annoys you, mate?
1: I mean, I hate being. I have serious FOMO, and one so one of my pet peeves is me being injured. I absolutely hate that, but I dare say ninety nine percent of the world would agree with that one. So it's not really a. Unique pet peeve? Oh yeah, just like a, a a lack of stand. Like I, I like to be in a professional environment, so making sure the standards are high. Yeah, that's that's probably the best way to answer answer, answer that. I love hardworking culture. I love everyone having a genuine cracker training. So the pet peeve would probably be the opposite to that.
0: And what about favorite way to spend your day?
1: That changes from time to time. It's definitely changed in the last 14 months because it normally involves George. But I don't, I don't mind golf. I'm no good at it, but I don't mind it. I love Pilates, so Pilates is definitely something that's 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 right in there on most days off. And yeah, probably hanging out with my family would be the, the key one as well now. They're probably in the next room, so I, I might say that even louder to make sure that. get some good points in the bank.
0: Yep. What about the 2023, mate? Where- Recording this at the end of December for 22. What are you most excited about for 2023? What are what are a few things that are on the horizon, both in footy but also maybe perhaps outside of footy that people wouldn't know about? Because I know you do a few other things as well outside of football.
1: Certainly, the family that's going to be cool to watch grow from 14 months to 24 months by the end of next year. That's going to be it's going to be a unique sorry 14 months to 26 months. I can't count. That's going to be a unique sort of time for us. I'm presuming it's going to be an absolute prick in in 12 months so that's going to be fun and then also i'm very excited about what's happening with footy at the moment we've got a unique ruck combination first of uh oh, cox and nat nui 10 years ago quite similar so that's going to be unique and maybe given it's given me a new life on potentially what i'm going to be able to bring on a football field i can play a different position and i'm learning i'm learning in the forwards group talking to greg stafford trying to learn how to be a forward at 31 like it's quite cool and unique like it's giving me a, a new sort of buzz about me when I come into the football club. Not that I was bored of ruck. I, I love ruck and can ruck for days, but the fact I can maybe learn a new position. So that's, a, that's the football one. And then, yeah, I've got I've got a couple of bars at the moment that are really exciting. One, East End Wine Bar in Hawthorne that's been going since 2019. That's my little my little gem, my, the, the, my first business, and it's still going and survived COVID. So I love that one. But we just opened a restaurant called Motor also in Hawthorne. I know my niche, Melbourne supporters live in Hawthorne. So Try and, stay, try, and, try, and, try and stick in my niche. And that's, that started really well. That's a much bigger scale. That's like six people in the kitchen type setup. So go try them out if you're listening. We'll add the links in the show
0: notes. With everything that you just talked about, family and professional business as well as all, how, how do you go about managing your days? Are you, are you, do you like to know what the next day looks like? Is it a day-by-day day in terms of your schedule and your focus areas? Or is it over you know, the flow? Or yeah, talk us through your sort of process?
1: No, I'm, un- you I'm getting stuff done. Un- little bit unique in that space. I can have a week when I'm the most planned person ever and I love it. Like I love being planned. Then I can have a week when I go with the flow and don't write anything down and almost forget that I have things on. And I love that as well. So I think there's a, there's a, there's a place for both of those versions of Max, but certainly it can get busy at times and then it can be overwhelming if I go... If, I, if I'm in flow state too much, it can become a little bit over, over, overwhelming and not necessarily my family's favorite thing as well. If I spring up a couple of things that I didn't say was planned, maybe like this podcast, no, this was planned. I think I like to be planned. I think I like to wake up and, and have the day ready to go. And does that
0: switch, like for footballers that are listening in, does that switch for you? Is that an in-season to pre-season thing? So when games turn around, is it a bit more like back end of the week, coming up to games, is there a bit more in flow that you prefer? compared to schedule or or is it the opposite of that?
1: Or it's is it- more in, definitely more inflow in season. So in the round games, I'm actually quite flexible with my times or with when I eat, flexible with what I do. Where preseason it's quite preseason's a hectic, man. You run thirty K a week. You're absolutely buggered Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So you're trying not to plan too much on those days. And then Tuesday, Thursday, you're recovering. And then there's a little Sunday morning session as well, which is always fun. So preseason's are hectic, so you need to be planned in preseason. So right. uh, there actually is probably two different versions. That's cool.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time, mate, and sharing with us your experiences in, in leadership and, and, of course, your, your football journey um, with everything that you've done, both yeah, on the football field but also in, in being the captain of the Melbourne Football Club. Really appreciate your time. For those that have any follow-up questions, is there a place to get in
1: contact with yourself, mate? Is it Instagram or...? It's hard work. I, one, of my, one of my rules on, on Instagram and Twitter is, is not to respond to a private message or a DM if I don't really know them because I got myself in a lot of trouble early on from a mental point of view from replying to negative ones. So now I find it easier if I have a blanket rule yeah, it makes sense. I don't reply to negative or positive. Obviously, there's exception, but I've I I've, I've found that helps me a lot. So yeah, but if you see me in person, I will give you the world. But also, just a special if you prepare like a pro podcast related question falls into my DMs, maybe I'll maybe I'll 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 reply to those ones. You can filter them to us guys, and we'll,
0: yeah. and I'll I'll uh, do the job for you, mate. I'll mm-hmm. condense them to the ones that are appropriate and bin the ones that aren't. But yeah, thank you again for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. And thank you for everyone that's tuned in. If you tuned in halfway through, we did not muck around at all. We dive straight into the good stuff. So make sure to tune in for the first 10 seconds. You can find this episode on our YouTube channel until we publish it on our podcast in the next couple of weeks. Our next live chat, having a bit of a break, going over to America. So next one's not until January the 19th with Vern Gambetta. So I'll see you guys then.
1: Cheers, Max. Thanks, Jack. I pretty much answered every question with if you enjoyed
0: this episode and want even more, our academy is for you. The Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content, such a QA and a segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian of the Columbia Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up?
2: Oh, this one is always, uh, so I suppose it is... Um it'll be topical for most people I think but staying in your lane and I often find that with nutrition everyone eats so everyone has an opinion and I think that's what really gets me fired up um because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be and then
0: game game
2: changes whatever that might be and look it probably keeps me in a job but that it does drive me insane because sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete
0: for. Yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with academy member Rama Davies, the strength and conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome Rama to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll hand it over to you, Rama, to, to ask your question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And yeah, thanks. um, Thanks, Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful. Plenty of gems in there, um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, My my question to you was you spoke quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, And I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um you wish you either knew or did uh, back at the beginning of your career Uh, what are some of those things Mm, yeah good question
3: um yeah so i suppose with perspective on life um that sort of point um it yeah certainly yeah has been massive for me now and and didn't probably have that as much um, when i was younger um i suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts, doing a, a journal every day, just a bit to say what I'm grateful for, sort of three things, and um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football, or you know, maybe whatever. As an SNC coach, you know, if something's you having a hard time. Um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that in that work bubble. Um, yeah. So that's that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and um, if I kind of didn't have that fear, of you know asking a silly question or fear of judgment it would have got me a lot further and i probably would have a lot quicker um and yeah yeah, like just yeah being open to sort of different things um because you never know what you might find it's just yeah there's so many people like great people out
0: there knowledgeable people to learn off and there's plenty more where that came from if you would like to learn more then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it would be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review, or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.